Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, and man, am I excited that you're joining us today, like always, where we talk about what's new and what's next in e-commerce. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. Hey, that's my company. Uh, OMG Commerce is the primary underwriter of the e-commerce evolution podcast, and we're excited to do that, excited to bring this content to you. A quick offer from OMG Commerce. We are a Google Premier Partner, so we're in the top 3% of all Google partners, one of the fastest growing in the world last year. Uh, If you would like a second set of eyes on your Google campaigns, whether that's Google Shopping, Search, YouTube, Remarketing, or the like, we would love to talk to you. Love to schedule a strategy session, love to look at your campaigns and provide ideas for improvement. Also, Amazon. We would love to talk to you about your Amazon ad strategy and have an Amazon audit for you, uh, complimentary for listeners of the e-commerce evolution podcast. Our Amazon department is led by Mr. Chris Tyler to find out more about the way we approach Amazon campaigns. Go back and check out episode 39 as we do a deep dive and look at Amazon advertising. But we would love to help you with either of those traffic sources. And so if you're interested, go to omgcommerce.com, click on any of the services, and there's a quick form to fill out right there. And now back to the show. My guest today is Mr. John Bullard Sr. He is the co-founder of Major Associates and My Fulfillment Team and also the founder of Pro Seller Talk. Uh, I was a guest on Pro Seller Talk a while back, got to know John a little bit and thought, man, I need to get this guy on my podcast. He's got 30 years of experience as a wholesaler. This guy knows Amazon. He knows fulfillment. He knows e-commerce. He's just a fascinating guy to talk to as well. So, John, uh, welcome to the show, and, and thanks for coming on. Hey, Brett, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, gave the quick background. You know, you run Pro Seller Talk, which is very successful. You have your own fulfillment company. You're you're selling on Amazon. Have your own, you know, branded products on on Amazon. So, you're doing a lot of things. Can you give kind of your your quick background? Like, how did you get into the e-commerce game? Sounds like maybe you were in the commerce game prior to e-commerce. The quick background is we it's it's funny because my just give it to you kind of quickly. Um, my son was, you know, in high school and he decided he didn't want to do sports because he got great grades, you know, and he decided that he didn't want to do that. So I could no longer coach him anymore, which I love coaching my sons. So it came what, to the point what, what where what sport did you coach? Just curious. I'm coaching basketball right now, so it's totally in my on my wheelhouse. I actually coached baseball. Nice. Uh, um, little league kids and upper kids and things like that. But it got to the point where he just said he didn't want to play anymore. So he didn't want to play in high school. And he decided, I want to concentrate on my grades. You know, which parent is going to say, you know what? No, I'd rather play sports, you know? Right. And so he went and did that. So, but it also created a dilemma for me because I'm very close to my two boys, um, Danny and John Jr. So John Jr. was the one I'm talking about. And so I had to find a way to still stay close to him while he was, you know, in his teenage years and going through high school. So he was doing these Pokemon cards of all things with his friend. And I saw him doing this and I said, well, this might be a way for me to get started. You know, we started um, eBay in in, uh, like the late 90s. And I said, this might be a way for me to continue to be in his life and, you know, on a daily day basis the way I want to. And so I got involved and we I bought out his friend (laughs) (laughs) and and got involved with my son 
And we used to make these Pokemon it was, cards. It was your man. son's first exposure to M&A, to mergers and acquisitions. It, it, That's awesome. Yeah, it was. And I tell you, we, we got to the point where we were buying Pokemon cards by the hundreds of thousands. That's how good we got on selling these things on eBay. We would actually put sets together. We would put, you know, the hollow form, the holograms with the regular cards and the rares. And we actually had people buying sets of 50 and 100. And we really got really good at it. We did that for quite some time, and then it got to the point where we said, man, the only thing we're selling is Pokemon cards. I, I got to be able to sell something else. I mean, and we tried other things, and it wasn't working. So then we got Amazon came along, and Amazon first came along as merch. And that was great. We were able to sell on there, and uh, but I was saying, this is taking up all my time. I, you know, I got to do all the work. I don't want to do that. So then Amazon went to FBA, Amazon FBA, and the light bulb went on. And that's when I quit my corporate job. I was a corporate uh, – at first I was a salesperson, and I was one of the top salespeople in the region for the company that I worked for, a furniture company. And then I was the manager of that furniture store, which was a multi-million dollar furniture store. And – I then moved down to Tennessee where I am now because my son decided to bring his family down here. I'm trying to bring this long story short to you. And um, once we got down here and Amazon went to FBA, that's when the light bulb went on. And I literally took $500 and turned it into a quarter of a million dollars with retail arbitrage with my son when I quit my job. I quit um, a salesperson down here when I moved down to Tennessee. I quit and I've never looked back. We went from $500 our first initial investment to a quarter of a million dollars our first year and, and we've never looked back and now we're to the point where we do between anywhere from two to three and a half million dollars a year in private label stuff on Amazon now. It's amazing and, and actually I love the background uh, and, and a quick shout out to all the coaches not to get on a, a tangent but I found for me, first of all, I love coaching and I'm coaching uh, JV and then I'm the assistant varsity basketball coach, which is hard to do when you're running a business. But uh, I found that I, I love it. It's more rewarding than playing. It's also harder than playing. I don't know. Man, it's just like this mental challenge and you're trying to get the, the boys to do what you want them to do. And it's, it's tricky. But uh, but that, that's awesome that you did that and awesome that your desire to spend time with your sons is what led to this business, which is really Really cool. So I love love hearing that story. Um, you've got a unique perspective because you know one, you've got your own private label brand. You guys are doing well on Amazon. You also run Pro Seller Talks. You're talking to all kinds of experts that are innovating and doing new things and pushing the boundaries on Amazon and, and innovating. And so uh, you got a really unique perspective. Uh, I'd like to dig in maybe you know to to two or three uh, of the the trends right now that Amazon sellers need need to be aware of. And I know you, you mentioned retail arbitrage, which I'm very familiar with. Uh, our listeners might not be. I know there's some trends around that, but uh, w- what are some Amazon trends that people should be aware of? Yeah, I think especially in 2018, um, Amazon is, is getting more and more involved with the retail arbitrage and online sellers um, doing online arbitrage. And they're really not wanting and, and it. And you want to just quickly explain what that is, John? I think probably most people understand, but just in case, to clarify. Retail arbitrage is when you actually go into a retail establishment like a Walmart, Target, uh, Toys R Us, and you buy items in that store and you take them out and resell them on Amazon's platform or any other platform that allows you to do it. Online arbitrage is the same thing, but only you're buying it from the stores online doing the same thing, buying it to resell it. Great. And, and what, what's, what's the trend around that then? Why, why is Amazon maybe not looking favorably upon that? Uh, or at least how is that shifting from the way it used to be? 
Well, because Amazon doesn't have the controllables of that. That that's by whoever the whoever the uh, the supplier is selling it to. So, for instance, if you sell something to Amazon, sell something to Walmart, and the vendor has actually given Walmart permission to actually sell that, but they're not giving Walmart permission to sell it to you to resell it on Amazon's platform or any other platform. And that's becoming a big issue with lawsuits and things like that lately for the simple fact is that if you're buying it at Walmart and you think because it's brand name that you're safe because Amazon wouldn't buy anything that was illegal, well, you're right in one aspect, but the other aspect, if you're not protected with insurance, is that if it gets on to Amazon's platform and you're the seller and you sell it and the consumer either gets hurt, trips, and has to sue, they're going to go after Amazon, they're going to go after Walmart, and then they're going to go after you because you're the one that actually purchased that item. So what Amazon is trying to do is make it the most friendly, safe platform for their actual buyers. And one way of doing that is trying to not eliminate. I don't think they'll ever eliminate retail arbitrage. I don't think they can ever get to that point, but they're trying to really restrict it and make it, I guess, harder for you to be able to do that. And one way of doing that. And one way the brands are doing that is by putting brand restrictions on there and putting limitations and putting, you know, to get into this gated category, you got to pay $1,500. They're making it harder for the smaller seller to come in, which used to be able to go in and just buy retail arbitrage and put it up there and sell it any way they wanted to. So they're really, really going more towards wholesale and going more towards private label. And the reason why, like I said, Amazon is doing that because they want proof. They don't want you to give a Walmart receipt or an online receipt. They want you to have an actual invoice showing that you purchased it and that you're you're able to sell the product from the manufacturer that you say that you're selling it from. Right. And I think this goes back to, you know, a trend that we've talked about a lot on this show. You know, talked about this with with Andrew Udarian, who runs e-commerce fuel and lots of other really bright people is that the, the future for the most part, I think the future look looks brightest for brands, right? People, brands that are, that are building their own product that have their own unique story and a brand that's desirable. They're the, they're the, the, the companies that are set up best to win. Uh, it's really when you're, when you're kind of involved in arbitrage or just kind of a middle person in this particular game where I, th- I think it's harder. I think, I think the long-term gain, the long-term play is, is harder. So let's talk a little bit, cause I think this, this is another trend looking at, at brand registry, brand gating. Can you talk about those just a little bit, kind of give us your inside perspective on those who, who can get, uh, and brand registry is, is a little easier than brand gating, but uh, who should be considering that? How do you go about uh, making that happen? I think anyone that's going to have their own products made, private label sellers should be looking at brand registry. But having said that and getting trademarks, but having said that, you should not go into that venture of trying to register for a brand or a trademark until you actually have done your homework, you've done your research, you found some products that you wanted and you test them. And what I mean by test, I mean buying small lots of these products and making sure that these products that you get are going to work for you before you go through the expense of getting an attorney and going through. It's a long process. It's I think it took us a year to get our brand registry and trademark before we actually got it. Um, But we did not even attempt that until we tested many, many different products and found out that, yeah, we can sell this product and it sells consistently, you know, every day or every month we sell this many products. So it makes sense to get our own brand and then we branch out from that. Even when we branch out from our own brand, 
you still want to test products. You don't just say, I got the brand now, I'm going to bring another product in. You always, always want to be testing products and making sure that that product's going to be a right fit for you. What you don't want to do is get into a right away private label and say, send me a container because I can promise you it'll burn you and it can, it can destroy your business real quickly. Make sure you do that heavy lifting and do that research and get all that, you know, knowledge that you need about that product and find out if it's going to be the product that's going to work for you. And if it is test it, test it, test it. After you get those tests, then you can take those steps to go the other way. Yeah, it's a great, great recommendation, especially for people that are, that are starting out, testing new products, that, that type of thing. You know, a lot of our clients and, and people that I know tune into the show, uh, are, are or at least a, a percentage of them are, are established e-commerce, or maybe they're doing 10, 20, 50 million a year online, but but not on Amazon yet. We, we talked to, surprisingly, a, lo- a lot of companies that they kind of fit that criteria where, where now they're looking at, okay, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're crushing it in the traditional direct-to-consumer e-commerce and driving lots of Google traffic. You know, that, that's kind of been our wheelhouse for uh, the last eight or 10 years or so. And, uh, but now I'm wanting to sell on, on Amazon and really get that ramped up. And so uh, talk about brand gating and, and what, what that means. And, and then, you know, who, who could create that, get that established and, and any, any tips on that for kind of this established brand who's now new to uh, Amazon? Yeah, brand gating is a little bit, like you said, it's a little bit harder. Actually, it's quite a bit harder than brand registry and trademark. And one of the reasons why Amazon doesn't like to brand gate you is because they just don't want to, you know, have a lot of brands out there gated. But the reason behind why you would want to be brand gated is because of the counterfeits. And we ran into that this past year in fourth quarter. Um, we had counterfeiters out there that not only attacked us, they attacked like 30,000 sellers. I mean, it was out there and they were going on, not just the actual items they were going on the brand. So they were attacking brands. They attacked every one of the items we had in our brand. And what they did is they drew down, they drew down the reviews. They made them look bad. Um, they weren't delivering product. And yes, Amazon will take care of those things for you. But in fourth quarter, you cannot afford to go two weeks before you get something taken down right. where they're off your listing. And we experienced that. Lucky for us, it didn't kill us because we're going to talk about this a little bit later about multiple channels of you know selling on multiple channels. Because if we only sold that one thing, it would have buried us because of what happened. So to get brand gated, you know, to the best of my knowledge, we're still not brand gated. Amazon really needs to have a dialogue and a history of counterfeit offenses against you. And I'm not just talking one or two. I'm talking you got to have a ton of these things and you got to write it down and go through Amazon's procedures and how you send it in with the complaints. And once you get to a certain point, then they may brand gate you. It's not guaranteed that they will, but there's a really large procedure that you have to go through in, in keeping all of those documents of every time it's happened to you. And they want to see a history. They don't want, you know what, if like with us, it was fourth quarter. So it only happened in fourth quarter. Once we got back to January, those sellers didn't do it anymore, those counterfeiters. So we went back to where we were. Was our brand damaged? Absolutely. Have we rebuilt it? Yes. But we had to go back and rebuild it and repair damage what we had to do. But having said that, like I said, Amazon Amazon is going to take them off your listings, but it's going to do some damage to you. So make sure that you actually 
get yourself into multiple different channels or sell different things other than just that brand because it's there is really no protection for you. And like I said, the biggest the biggest downfall for us is the ones that were actually not even delivering on the product. I mean, they were taking our price and knocking a price that was forty nine ninety nine down to nine dollars, which oh, man. We, we couldn't even make it for that. Right. So so we learned a very valuable lesson on that on that front. But also, we were very fortunate that we had other things going all the fires going to be able to keep going. And so the, so the goal of this was just sabotage, basically trying to bring, bring your brand down potentially. Um, or, or was, was it just fraud or, 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 uh, what, what was the, the aim there? Uh, they were going after, you know, we were selling 200 units a day. So anything that did large volume, they were going after, and they went after over 30,000 different, um, sellers accounts. I mean, they, and they weren't just one person doing it. They had it, they, they mastered it. They were doing it through computers and everything else. So it was getting done automated. And it was just amazing because as soon as we got kicked them off, they'd come on with a different name. And a lot of times you can tell if it's a fake person on your listing, if it says new seller or you don't recognize something, you know, it's it kind of like gives it a, a dead giveaway. It's, it's not usually a seasoned seller that's doing it. It's usually someone that they they brought on that's a new seller and we get them kicked off. And then a day later, we'd have another one on. It was just, it's, it's just crazy. amazing. It's crazy. So, so really not a way until, until you're brand gated, which sounds like that's going to be reserved for a select few. And only after you have some of these incidences happening repeatedly to you. Uh, so, so brand gating is not the solution for everybody, not an easy solution. It sounds like there really isn't a way to fully protect yourself, right? Other than just don't have all your eggs in one basket and, and make sure that you've got multiple streams of traffic and income and, and, and multiple ways to sell your product, right? Well, Amazon's brand registry 2.0 is supposed to be better for the sellers, the private label sellers. It's, 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 it's designed to help things get done faster for you. So they are, like I said, they are moving and they are recognizing and they know these things happen in fourth quarter, but they were just not, there was not enough manpower to do what they needed to do. And they knew that. And they're starting to put things into place and their brand registry 2.0 is getting things done a lot quicker because we've had counterfeiters go on, you know, occasionally in February and we've got them right off real quick where before it was a long time. Now, some of you could say that's because it's not fourth quarter anymore and they got more time on their hands than they had in fourth quarter. But the simple fact is they're, they're getting them off quicker. Great. Any other highlights for, for brand registry 2.0 other than, than helping, you know, resolve issues, get rid of counterfeiters quicker, things like that. Any other highlights for brand registry 2.0? Um, there's a lot of things that right now my brain's not coming through, but there, I did do a webinar and I talked to you, Brett, before we went on the, the air with this, um, with Cynthia Stein. Cynthia Stein is a master. She has the inside information on Amazon. She seems to know the know of Amazon and what's going on inside that. And on prosellertalk.com, it is a membership site. But I do have the webinar up there where if you want to learn about brand registry and brand registry 2.0, that's the place you want to go and watch that. I mean, there's so much information there. It's packed with information. Excellent. Excellent. Um, what about Amazon Storefront? Your take on Amazon Storefront? How are you utilizing it? Any any trends or, or advice there? Amazon Storefront, one of the ways that we utilize it is we draw traffic to it. Like we'll do Facebook ads and we'll do um, pay-per-click ads and we'll actually draw people to our Amazon Storefront. Um, that's kind of the only way that we're kind of utilizing it right now. Um, the only other thing I would say is that if you have a brand, it's probably good to have a, your own brand on your storefront versus having a multiple of different items like having toys and jewelry and clothing all on one 
um, Amazon storefront. It's probably better if you sell in home goods and maybe you you specialize in you know rugs and you have certain rugs on there. And that's all you carry is different sizes and colors and things of rugs just to kind of keep it clean as a brand. Yeah, I love that, and and we're big believers in Amazon stores uh, for for the same reason. You know, it's a great way to drive traffic. It's basically like your own little shop on Amazon. I think one one good example to look at is Amazon Basics. So if you actually Google Amazon Basics, it should be the first organic listing to pop up. That's Amazon's store for Amazon Basics, and you can kind of see the layout. It almost looks like this mini e-commerce site within Amazon and you can build something similar for your brand. I do agree with you having it targeted to a specific brand or specific line can be very beneficial, but, but check it out. I think it gives you a lot of advantages that makes sending paid traffic easier, more profitable um, than just sending someone to an individual listing on Amazon. And so, yeah, highly recommend that you, you check that out. Um, what John, what are some, just some of the mistakes that you see? Cause I know you talk to a lot of, Amazon sellers, you are an Amazon seller, very successful one. What are just some of the mistakes that you see people making over and over again? Some of the biggest mistakes that I see uh, sellers doing is first off is there's, there's the two big ones. One is they're buying products uh, and a week later it's not selling for them for some reason. Maybe it's their listing. Maybe it's, you know, um, their pricing. I don't know. And they panic and they start to tank the price. And what that does is it ruins the market for everyone because it starts to do the race to the bottom. And, and that's not good. So if you're going to get into this business, it does take a little bit of money to do it, but it also takes knowledge to understand how the how the platform works. And anytime you go in and you're a new seller and you start putting products in there and you don't see any sales in a week and you start saying, well, I'm going to keep lowering my price. You have to understand that it's going to set these auto reprices off. And the auto reprices, once they start seeing it, it's just going to keep triggering down and down and down. And before you know it, you're not only going to, you're not going to make money, but nobody's going to make money. So that's one of the biggest mistakes. The other mistake I see with new sellers mainly is overbuying. You know, they want to get on Amazon and they want to sell, but they feel, okay, here's a toy on Amazon that's, you know, going for $30 and I can get it for five bucks. So this store has a hundred. So I'm going to buy all of them. No, you don't do that because you don't know how many other people bought that at that, at the same chain for $5 are going to be hitting the market or hitting Amazon's platform. When you, when you do at the most, when you're starting, you should buy five, maybe six tops and see if it sells for you. If it sells for you, then do it. And I'm talking strictly products that are regular retail that you can flip, not, not retail arbitrage. That's a little bit different sometimes because it, it depends on. But even then, you still got to hold back. You don't want to get you know locked in. Because the other thing is with the products is even if it's retail arbitrage, just because the store and this is a this is a key point. Even though the store might be discontinuing it, doesn't mean that the company mis- did, discontinued it. So what I mean by that is you could buy it for fifteen dollars and see it on Amazon for sixty, but then all of a sudden you get it to Amazon at sixty. You might sell one, you may not sell any, but then the Amazon comes back in at eighteen ninety nine. So right. so you got to be cautious. Yeah, yeah, be- because a- Amazon Amazon's uh, algorithm and the way they they monitor price and the way they they adjust price automatically is exceptionally fast and effective. And, and you're not going to underprice Amazon for long, right? Yeah. And you got it. Like I said, you got to watch. And that's what I see a lot of sellers make mistakes. They'll see it's $15. They'll see Amazon's out of stock. So they'll send it in and then Amazon comes back in stock. And now Amazon's at $18. And what happened to you? 
you're going to either pay the money to get it out of there. You're going to lose money. You're going to you're going to wait for Amazon to sell out. And that's what I'm saying is have the patience to wait. Use Keepa. Use Camel, Camel, Camel. Look at those graphs and see, hey, every two months, Amazon seems to run out of this or it's January. And we know by March, Amazon doesn't carry it again until September. You know, that's what I'm saying. Do your research. Have those tools in place. It's very important to have tools and to be looking at them to see what's going on if you're going to compete with Amazon. You don't want to compete, but if you are, you want to compete, which a lot of sellers say, with the ins and outs. When Amazon's out of stock and you get in. John, you just mentioned two tools that I'm not familiar with. Would you mind to repeat those and, and explain what those are? Camel, Camel, Camel and um, Keepa are two different tools. They're very similar to one another, but they basically give um, sales rank and they can also give graphs of – you know, the buy box and how many times the item is sold. There's graphs you can look at to see, you know, kind of give you an idea. It can also give you a history of one month to a year. You can look at it and see if Amazon's on the, list, on the listing. You can see when Amazon's out of stock. You can see when they come back into stock. You can see the price fluctuation of where it's been. Has it been selling at $10 and now it's $30? Or you can look at, okay, in January it spikes. In June it, it doesn't sell as well. It gives you those histories of the product and how well it does on the marketplace. Great. That's awesome. So let's talk about uh, the other up and coming marketplace, you know, not, not nearly as big as Amazon, obviously, but a lot of merchants are talking about it, trying to capitalize on it, but that's, that's Walmart. What, what advice are you giving to people looking to sell on the Walmart marketplace? And, and then let's also talk about, you know, trends and new developments there as well. Walmart has its pros and cons. One of the one of the things about Walmart right now is just about anybody can get in there. When I when we signed up to get on Walmart, I think you had to do five million dollars or no two million dollars a year in sales is what Amazon what Walmart was looking for as the sellers. They were looking for the top million dollar sellers or sellers over a million dollars that wanted to sell on their platform. Now it seems like they've opened it up to just about anybody. I don't know if they even have any restrictions anymore about that, but. Some of the downfalls of selling on Walmart is that when you put your products on there and they're selling, if Walmart finds that product somewhere else on a different platform, whether it be Amazon, anywhere they find it, they go out and they do the research and they find it, they're going to shut your listing until that product on that other marketplace sells out and you're the lowest again. So it's very crucial to know that if you have products on Walmart and all of a sudden you don't see it selling or you don't see it listed, it's because Amazon, it's because Walmart found it somewhere else for a lower price and they will keep it off their platform until that lower price is gone and then it'll be back live again. It's amazing how they do that. And a lot of sellers are not happy about that because Sometimes, you know, somebody can get a product that's not even their product. It can be a private label product. It's not even their product, but it's a lookalike or similar product. And Amazon will do and Walmart will do the same thing. Interesting. Uh, really smart. That's pretty techni techni technologically easy for me to say. Advanced. Um, but, you know, Walmart wants to be the low price leader, right? That they're not going to, to show up at, at a higher price. So that's really that's really interesting. Um, are you seeing Walmart continue to grow? I mean, I know that, you know, our clients and, and merchants I've had on the show and just people that I know, you know, Walmart's still a tiny fraction of their Amazon sales. Is it, is it continuing to grow pretty, pretty rapidly? Uh, how, how would you describe the, the growth trajectory that you guys are seeing on Walmart? 
Yeah, according to the market, I mean, Walmart, I guess, in fourth quarter this year had a, had a had a real decent fourth quarter compared to what they had in past years. And I don't know if that's contributed to the you know the purchase of Jet.com and other things that they've done. But um, um, yeah, I see them growing. But I do also see that as a stumbling block for sellers. A, a lot of sellers don't like the idea that if they find it somewhere else, they shut their listing down. So right, right. I think they're I think they're they're like in the beginning stages, kind of when. Um, Amazon was just books. I mean, there was just books and all books. I think it's kind of the same thing. They're going through the growing pains and they're, and they're trying to figure it out and and do what's best for their marketplace and platform. Um, and I really think they'll get it corrected about shutting the listings down. I don't see that as going to be a long-term solution for them because I think they'll lose sellers that way because you can't grow a business if your listing is constantly being shut off and turned on, shut off and turned on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes uh, the predictability impossible. And uh, I mean, I guess it, it makes you want to <laughs> ensure that your price on Walmart is lower. But, you know, like you mentioned, with, with, with lookalikes maybe triggering the, the shutting off of your listing, uh, it would sound like it'd be really hard to, to manage. So I guess like anything else, know what you're getting into, know that this is real and, and plan uh, accordingly. Uh, let's talk a little bit about logistics and fulfillment. So I've got several questions around Fulfillment, and this is something. This is an area that I think e-commerce merchants have to understand. You know, this this is one of the the big trends and improvements in e-commerce is just better fulfillment, faster shipping, consumers wanting the product now. And so, so as as merchants and as as people in the business, we've got to understand fulfillment as well. So I've got several questions for you there because I know you're an expert in this in this area. But first, just to kind of tee this up or, or frame this. What, what does your company do in terms of fulfillment and how did you get into the fulfillment business? Well, the fulfillment business started when we went to Amazon, when we started fulfilling our own product. And like I told you, I have 30 years in the closeout business and I was just getting so much product and it got to the point where I just said, hey, you know what, why am I take, keeping all this for myself? Why not share it? And I started sharing it with other people, letting them buy it and sell it. So then, it was like, okay, they don't want to send to them, so they sent it to me, and I would fulfill it for him. It even evolved more so when I decided, you know what, not everybody might not want to buy the products that I get, so why don't just let them send their own products that they buy from their own wholesalers and their own suppliers to me, and I'll fulfill that as well. And that's when we exploded is when we decided to um, open it up and tell sellers, hey, listen, send whatever you purchase to us, and we'll fulfill it for you as well. What that does for them is it allows them just to do what they want to do, is just purchase it and send it and forget it. So, and especially since in the last couple of years, we evolved with our own software that was built for our company, My Fulfillment Team, uh, to the point where now you just go into Seller Central, you post your listing, take the MSKU, take the quantities, take that over to our software, which we go through. We go through Amazon's API. And what's important about going through Amazon's API is that everyone that we work with, our clients, it's individually, Amazon looks at the API as an individual, not as a company fulfilling everything. Whereas you go through some fulfillment companies and Amazon, when you when you tie it in and you go through their back end, Amazon knows who that person is in the back end of somebody's account. We don't go through the back end and get permissions and sign into any Amazon's accounts. We don't want to do that. That's not something we're looking to do. But we do offer software that we call it set it and done. Once you get that product, you put it into our software, the MSKU, you put the quantities, and there's a drop-down place where you can put instructions if we have to have instructions. 
and that's it. Set it and done. We do everything else. We bag it. We bubble it. We multi-pack it. Uh, we we box it. We do the pack and slip. Everything and, and ship it out to Amazon fulfillment centers. You don't do anything. So by doing that, it gives you the opportunity now to just say, you can work a full-time job and just be online or whatever at home at night, buying product and having it sent to us. And once it comes to us, we do all the work. And we have clients from you know the Amazon to South Africa to Australia to, I think we even got one from like Kuwait or somewhere out there. I mean, we got them all over the place. And these people we've never met, they don't know who we are, we don't know who they are, but they know of our reputation. They know that, you know, we consider ourselves a specialty fulfillment center because we use the best. We, we're not the cheapest, but we use the best. So you gotta make sure your margins are built in. But we not only do Amazon now, we do e-commerce. So if you sell on Shopify, Walmart, or any uh, Amazon merch or Amazon um, Merchant Fulfilled, we can handle any of those platforms as well. But we're a specialty company. We make our own bubble. Um, I think I told you this, Brett, earlier. We make our own bubble. And what's the important thing is presentation, right? So you gotta look at when you're working with somebody doing the work for you, you want that presentation. And the presentation, when we bubble something, we know six months from now, if it's sitting in an Amazon warehouse because you had too much go in, it's still gonna get to that client where the bubble is still solid. It's not gonna be deflated. There's nothing worse than getting a gift or a Christmas gift or a birthday gift package that comes to you, the customer likes what they bought, but when it gets to the person, all of a sudden they got this deflated package. The, the item inside is great, but the packaging is wrong. They're gonna remember that. Yeah, you know the the packaging is 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 really part of the experience, and it's the the first thing that someone notices. And and you, know, I think you know if you, if you take a take a, a cue from Apple, you know they really get this right. All the the Apple packaging is beautiful. It's part of the experience. And and you know Steve Jobs uh, was almost spiritual in his his thoughts about that. Where hey that that experience of opening the product needs to be on par with using the product. And, and so I know you're taking a step back from that. This, this is the, the, the wrapping and what, what the product comes in, but that's, that's important uh, as well. So, so now you, you gave some interesting advice, something that I, I, I really hadn't thought of, and I'm not a fulfillment guy, so I guess it makes sense that I haven't thought of it, but what, what is your advice? If someone's plan is, hey, I, I don't want to fulfill my own product, I'm going to use a third-party logistics company, a fulfillment company like like John's, or I'm just going to ship to Amazon for FBA. But what what advice would you give someone who, who's planning on doing that? What should they do first? I think the first thing is if you're not selling on Amazon, um, you need to get your feet wet. You need to be able to do all the process yourself. You need to be bagging, bubbling, um, bundling, and doing all that stuff. Because I don't believe that you can have somebody do something for you if you don't know the process yourself. So you want to make sure that you're doing that. You also want to make sure it makes sense cost-wise to you and your margins are there to be able to use a prep center. We get so many people that want to use us and I go through the procedure and I says, we're just, you're not going to be able to do that with the margins that you're working with. You have to have better margins. So I tell them, you know, look for better margin products or, you know, I tell them if they're new, I say, we have people that are new that want to send product to us. I says, no, I says, you need to try and do this yourself at first, get used to the procedure and how it works so that then you understand what we're doing. Because if they don't understand, if you don't understand what's being done for you, then how do you expect it to get done right? 
you got to know the procedures. You got to know, get on Amazon's site and look up how to bag and how the, how they're supposed to be bagged and how they're supposed to be bundled and, you know, and how they're supposed to box it. I can tell you that 99% of the sellers right now do not bubble line the boxes, their shipping boxes to Amazon the way they're supposed to, but that's a guideline. It's been in there. It's been in there for a while, but no one's doing it. But again, Amazon is cracking down in 2018. They've got more power and more, more workforce. And they're looking at all their guidelines and they are going to enforce them at some point. It's just a matter of right now you're not getting caught, but you will at some point. So if you're not following their guidelines, then you need to pay attention. That's why I'm saying that webinar with Cynthia Stein is a great, great webinar. What's coming with Amazon? It, it opens your eyes up to a lot of things. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that if you're doing anything outside of Amazon's guidelines, outside of Amazon's terms of service, you're not going to get away for with that for long. Uh, so look to adjust, look to to shift, and and also you know Amazon, the, some of their warehouses are full. So you know I know that's increased the cost of FBA and and just just force sellers to be smarter and and more thoughtful with their inventory and 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 so so many considerations uh, with that. Absolutely. Yeah. What what other any other trends in fulfillment? Things people need to be aware of. I know. I know for for a lot of people, that's not maybe the most sexy topic. It's maybe not as fun as talking about, hey, how do I send more traffic through Facebook or through YouTube or something like that. But it's important, and and it's kind of some of the kind of the blocking and tackling of e-commerce that in the end makes a huge difference. But any any other trends or thoughts or things related to fulfillment that people need to be aware of? Well, I think there's as far as fulfillment. I don't know if um if many people know this, but Amazon um is test testing in uh, several of their places now where they bought their own cardboard machines where they're making their own cardboard. I don't know if anybody knows that, but you can expect they're going to be cutting it down and customizing those boxes to make those look professional. So at some point in time, when they do get that going, that's just going to be a cost involved because they're going to be custom making the boxes right to the item. So they're going to be passing that cost on. This is something that they're, they started doing in 2018 from what I've been told. And they're actually going into the cardboard business. They're actually making, they have these machines that this one machine can make different size boxes. It's just amazing what they, what they're looking at doing. Interesting. Interesting. They're making their own boxes. They're buying their own planes, Amazon getting into pharmaceuticals, all kinds of stuff. Bezos taking over the world. Uh, fascinating stuff. So let's uh, let's go back to a topic we touched on a little bit in the beginning. We'll kind of wrap up with this. I think it's a good place to to kind of wrap up the conversation. But diversifying, multiple streams of leads and, and multiple ways to drive business. You talked about it with that, that very scary but very real scenario where, hey, you got people that are, you know, ta- attacking all of these resellers and, and, and you know, uh, undercutting your prices and doing crazy things, fraudulent things, um, you know, the, aside from being brand gated, which is not easy to do. There's not a lot of protection there. But let's talk about multiple streams of income, multiple streams of, of traffic. How do you approach that? What advice would you give? What multiple streams of traffic are, are you utilizing? Yeah, when we say multiple streams of income, that's a very key element in what I try to teach um, people. And what I mean by that is that a lot of people, it's very scary. If you talk to a lot of Amazon sellers, there, I mean, there's a lot of them out there, big sellers even, that say if Amazon ever closed their doors, we would be done. So I ask the people that are on this podcast, um, and I want you to take a good look at it. If you're an Amazon seller and Amazon came to you and said, you can't sell on Amazon anymore. What would that do to your business? 
what would that look like for you? And it looks like different for everybody. But if it looks like that's it, that's where you put everything, then you're going to be in trouble. So how do you not be in trouble? Stay, stay out there and get to the conferences, go to the conferences and mingle and, and meet people. And you will build business relationships from not only the speakers, but from the audience and start to mastermind, mastermind with people, um, hold yourself, get yourself held accountable by somebody else. In other words, Surround yourself with positive people that are going to reinforce you with positive information, not negative information, but you also want someone that's going to be real to you. When you're not doing something right, you got to be able to take constructive criticism because I think constructive criticism is something a lot of us have a hard time dealing with. But if you've got a true friend or a true person that's there for you, they have to be able to tell you what you're doing wrong and you have to be willing to listening. And I think a lot of us have closed minds when it comes to that. So you want to get out and do those things. Now, what becomes of these things? I can tell you personally, I've built, I wrote a book because of going to a convention. I've wrote a course because of going to a convention. I built affiliate marketing um, relationships because of going to conventions. It's just, you're going to build multiple streams of income that you're not even thinking of that's out there. You could, you could have a book in you. You could have a course in you. And how do you find those things? First of all, you got to get people to relate to you. And one way to do that is to tell your story. I tell people all the time, um, two years ago, I had a heart attack in my sleep. And I tell this to people because I had it in my sleep, but I woke up. God kept me here for a reason. And that reason was to continue to give and to share and to serve. You have to have a serve mentality. If you have a serve mentality and a share mentality where you want to help others more so than you want to help yourself, put others before you, I promise you that you're going to, it's going to open up all kinds of doors for you that you wouldn't even dream were possible. And I know Ezra and all these guys out there that are the big time ones will tell you the same thing. There's so many different opportunities out there. You just got to have your eyes open wide enough to see them and be able to be transparent and let somebody into your world that can help you as well as you can help them build those relationships by doing that. I think at one point, I think I had 16, 17 different streams of income and I'm not bragging to say that I have these streams of income, but what this has done for me in my life is allowed me to be in this warehouse right now with Brett doing a webinar while everything around me is running. I've outsourced. I have people in my office and people that run the warehouse and people that set up my talk show for me and do a lot of different things for me. It frees up your time. The one thing that we all have is 24 hours a day. How are you going to choose to use your 24 hours a day? For me, it's continue to serve and help others. Yeah, really powerful story, John. I appreciate you sharing that. And and it, it's interesting how sometimes we, we almost need that that jolt or that wake up to say, man, you know, think about what you're doing and think about how you're approaching this. And I know you're just you're just a good guy at your core. Going back to the story of you know uh, getting out of coaching because your son wasn't interested in sports and and you know selling Pokemon cars. I mean, I think that speaks a lot to your to your character. But I, I 100% agree. And you know, Ezra Firestone's a, a close friend of mine, and, and we do a lot of work together. I think he embodies this as well. But yeah, building a community and and helping people and giving good advice and connecting. You know, this, and that's one thing I love about e-commerce, that there seems like a lot of good people in e-commerce. And if you go to some of these events, you connect with people. And, and uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be speaking at Traffic and Conversion Summit coming up. Uh, shout out to Ryan Dice and 
uh, Perry Belcher and Roland Frazier and the gang, Russ Hineberry putting that together. I'm also speaking at Social Media Marketing World and Steve Chu's event and a few others coming up. But I love connecting with people. And, and I, I think, you know, I've thought about this a few times because we, we've had some success with our agency and with our business and kind of thinking like, what what am I really good at? Like, you know, some, some of those times when you're, when you're uh, doing some soul searching and reflecting and trying to say, what, what is it that I'm actually good at? And uh, I think for me, a lot of it goes back to relationships. Like I'm pr- pretty good at relationships. And so I think we, we can miss that or undervalue that. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, would, I would wholeheartedly agree with you. Build relationships, give, serve, and also be open to that feedback. Thanks for sharing that as well. I think one of the things that, that's really dangerous in, in business is uh, to borrow a line from Gary Vaynerchuk, we get romantic about our past success, right? So we're, we're, we're overly attached to our Amazon success or our success with one particular channel, or we're romantic about the way things used to be with this one particular traffic source, rather than being able to look at the cold, hard facts of saying, yeah, but this channel has shifted or this has changed, or I've got to diversify my traffic. And so you know, we run into a lot. We have people that are mainly Amazon sellers that are, that are, you know, building a Shopify store and we help them with Google traffic. We have other people that are, you know, they already have their stores built out, lots of traffic, but they're too heavily relying on Facebook. And so we help them with, with, you know, YouTube and Google ads. And so uh, anyway, fantastic points. Uh, John, this has been a ton of fun uh, to, to, to chat with you about the, the diverse topics here. And so as we wrap up, you know, how can people connect with you? How, how can they follow you online? Um, let's give a, a quick plug to Pro Seller Talk as well. Yeah. If they, if they want to follow me online, I have a, a show that I do once or twice a week called ProSellerTalk.com. Uh, there's also a website you can go to. It's a members only site. There's probably about 48 or 49 webinars up there now. Um, you know, the one thing that Brett and I will tell you is that going to these conferences, it takes money to make money. You know, that website that I just talked about, ProSellerTalk.com, it does have a monthly membership fee. For what it is, I think it's um, very low price for what you get for the value. And you got to look at it. For what you're paying for that membership a month is less than probably a half a cup of coffee a day. So, I mean, you have to put – you have to have the right tools and the right people in place to be able to help you grow your business. I mean, I think sometimes we're all strong-headed and strong-minded where we think we can do it alone. We can't. Um, and that's why I built that site. And that's why I have all these guests. I have Brett on there. I have other people that are on there. Um, is, so they're all there. They all came in and shared their time like I'm doing today with you guys. They share their time because they care, because they want to help you grow. And they're very transparent. The one thing I think you need to understand from this whole concept of what we do is that we're not afraid to tell you that we fail. We fail all the time. We do not make the right decisions all the time. So we want you to know that you're not alone, that you are going to have failures or not, you know, or setbacks. But to me, and I tell everyone I talk to about this, a setback just brings you that much closer to success. Yep. Fully agree. Fully agree. Well, John, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, man, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for setting aside your time. And thanks for thanks for sharing. And if you guys want to reach out to me, you can. Uh, my email is support at prosellertalk.com. I'll gladly help anyone answer any questions I can. Awesome. John Bullard, ladies and gentlemen, really appreciate the time. And we'll link up to everything in the show notes. So you can check that out at e commerce 
evolution.com. As always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, would love your feedback. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of, other topics, other guest ideas. We want to hear from you. So, so reach out, let me know. Uh, and if you're enjoying this podcast, if you're loving it, uh, we would appreciate that five-star review on iTunes. That helps more people discover the show and get connected uh, with our community. And so until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on resources and guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.